Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. I want to speak to you this morning a word that I feel is a word from the Holy Spirit for us as a church, but wherever you're from, take it on board for yourself. I want to speak to you on the subject of being on the edge or on the brink. Joshua chapter 1 is the story of the children of Israel. Well, the whole of the book of Joshua, who after many years of waiting and wandering and wondering, they come to the edge of the promised land. And what follows in Joshua chapter 1 through to the first 10 or so chapters is a checklist of what you and I need to do if we are to move out of life as we've experienced it into the place God has promised and prepared for us. I can tell from your heart being poured out in the worship and the songs that we've been singing, I will make room for you. We need a fresh wind. That there's still a hunger in the hearts of people in this church to say, God, I want the more that you have. A friend of mine called it many, many years ago. He said, I'm satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. I'm glad for all that God has done. And yet I know that there's more. I guess the Apostle Paul got it right when he said, I'm still pursuing that thing for which I was apprehended. He said, something touched me on that road to Damascus. And then I've spent the rest of my life chasing the fulfilment of all of that. And I know that for every single one of us, none of us can say I've arrived. None of us can say I know enough. None of us can say I've got all there is to get of God or His gifts in my life. And all I know is that for the past year or at least, I have felt the Holy Spirit continually impress on me that a large space was prepared for us as a church. Now, I don't really know what that means. I don't know whether he's talking about a natural space or whether he's talking about a spiritual space, a ministry space. All I know is I keep hearing God again and again. You know, I came into the church yesterday to pray and on the way in here, as this often happens to me, I'll be in the car and I'll mute everything in the car and I'll hear the Holy Spirit say, uh, overflow and outpouring. And so I began to read into Acts chapter 2 and the mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit and, and starting to see, God, what does it take for us to be the kind of people that experience that? Now, I'm not interested in a moment or in some kind of a quick event, something that we all get to shine for a few moments. I'm interested in something that lasts a long time and something that's generational. There are many hot spots of the gospel around the world. There were some this year. And yet if you go back there now, uh, things have just gone back to the way they were before. I don't believe that that's what God wants for His church. I believe that the church is meant to improve in every way, in every sphere. I believe we're meant to grow in maturity in Christ, but we're also meant to grow in strength and in power and in ability to walk with God. And so when I hear the Holy Spirit say to me again and again, verses like 1 Corinthians 16, 9, where Paul writes and says, For a great and effective door has been opened unto me, but there are many adversaries. 
I understand that it means that it's not a lay down misere. It's not just simply, well, if it's God, it will just happen. But that there is a contest of faith that there is a battle sometimes for us to be able to walk into everything that God has for us, but it's a battle that Jesus has already won the ultimate victory. They say that on, uh, on D-Day, which is when World War II, really the tide turned and the, the war was effectively over from that moment until V-Day, which was the cessation of hostilities, nine months later, that the, there was battles that still raged and more people died, more soldiers died in that nine-month period than in any other nine-month period of the war. You've only got to look around to understand that even in the church life, even in the body of Christ, there are casualties from time to time. We don't hide from that. We don't go, well, that's terrible. They must have been bad people. I think sometimes they're people that got shot at that got wounded and had no one to turn to or had never built a habit of being in community and being able to share not only their victories, but their weaknesses. Can I say thank God for a church that doesn't think that you've got to be perfect to belong to it. A church that understands that we are all human, that we all have frailties, that we all, as the Scripture says, if anyone say he has no sin, uh, the truth is not in him. You and I need one another because I've got weaknesses that you've got strengths for and you've got strengths that I, I need and I've got strengths that you need. And so we get to walk together in all of that. But I believe that God's got more. And I, I would imagine that many of you here would have had the same kind of sense of more being up ahead. So let me give you pretty quickly today because we want to share communion a bit later. And then I've asked Pastor Ray and Kate, rather than be out in the press space, we're going to just dismiss the service at the end. Cafe will be open. Thank you for that. And then anyone that says, you know what, I've got things I want to leave behind in 2023. Next uh, next day is New Year's Day. Now, I don't think that God's beholden to the calendar. I don't think God waits all year round for December 31 to come so we can do a new thing. I believe He's always doing a new thing. Amen. But what have I got to do if I want to do that? And, and can I just be this honest with you? When I preach these things, I have thought about them and lived in them for a lot longer than just this moment that you get to hear. And so I'm preaching to me and saying, God, I want to be like that. Number one, the first thing, if you're going to leave behind the things that are a part of your yesterday and move into all that God has for you, the first thing is there's got to be an awareness of change. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Now get this, because it's probably one of the, one of the what? The most blunt things that you would ever hear someone say to somebody who's just lost their mentor, someone who's just lost their leader, someone who's just lost their confidant, the one who's taught them everything that they know. God speaks to Moses. He says, Moses is dead. Not, well, he's passed away or some other nice euphemism. He said, he's dead now, therefore. 
because yesterday is gone. Arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to you, the children of Israel. He says, Joshua, get a grip on this. Understand yesterday is no more. Don't keep thinking about the tabernacle. Don't keep thinking about Moses and how you survived. Don't keep thinking about the rock out of which the water came, the manna that spread on the ground every day, the quails that came and all those other miracles that I did. I've got something different for you. And before you and I can move into our tomorrows, there's got to be a turning of the page. There's got to be something in our life that says, I'm ready to leave behind my yesterday. I want to go into my tomorrows. No matter what your thing is, no matter what your failures are, no matter what your problems have been, no matter how you've stumbled, you might have battled all year long with the same issue. But you've got to come to a point that says change is possible and change is here for me now. Remember the past, but don't stay anchored to it. Don't stay locked in to the way things you to be done, to the way things were in your growing up. Oh, those were the days. No, those weren't the days. These are the days. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. Not yesterday is the day that the Lord did something, but this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in that day. Amen. Today is the day of salvation, it says. Not tomorrow, not next week, but today is my day. Here's the second thing. If I'm going to leave behind my yesterdays, I've got to have confidence in divine favour. As long as you are relying on you, as long as it's about your ability, as long as it's about how good you are or how bad you are or, or any of those kinds of things, you're never going to do it. Joshua 2.9 they said to the men, I know the Lord has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen on all of us. They haven't done anything yet, but already God is there by His Spirit. And all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. Now, if I had long enough time, I would stop there and say to you, these people had heard that 40 years ago. The terror of the Lord was on them 40 years ago, but people that didn't believe never stepped into favour, never saw any result out of it. Out of their fear, they ran away from their moment of opportunity and they ended up being in the wilderness for another 40 years because she says, we heard about this. It had happened 40 years ago. It wasn't a new thing. It wasn't last week. She said, we heard about that. We know the hand of God is on you. There's got to be something in a Christian's life that says the favour of God is on me, not because I'm good enough, not because I'm gifted, not for where I serve, not for how much I give, but because I am a son and a daughter of the Most High God. Therefore, I'm His child. Therefore, I'm the apple of His eye. Therefore, the power of God rests on me, not because of my goodness, Goodness, but because of Jesus' wonderful death on the cross and His resurrection out of the tomb, I've risen with Him in Jesus' name. Amen. There's got to be some belief. Come on, Christian. You've got to believe the favour of God is, oh, Jeff, there's no favour on me. I've been sick. There's no favour on me. My bank account's empty. Oh, Jeff, there's no favour on me. My kids are running amok. But you see, the favour of God was there 40 years ago, but because they never believed it, they still wandered in the wilderness. Listen, as though there was no favour. Think about it. 
confidence in divine favour. Number three, there's got to be a spirit of faith. When I say that, some of you automatically disqualify yourselves saying, you know what? I don't feel a great person of faith, but Joshua chapter 2, verse 23, the two men, the two spies, returned, descended from the mountain, crossed over, came to Joshua, the son of Nun, told him all that had befallen them. They said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, and indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. What a difference from 40 years before where 12 spies went out, 10 came back saying, we can't. Oh, it's a beautiful place. Listen to me, listen to me. Hear this this morning. God wants some of you to stop window shopping. He wants some of you to stop looking in the window and going, if only, I'd like to. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God wants you to go into the store with the Heavenly Father's resources and say, my Father paid for that. Amen. My Father paid for that. My Father paid for that. God wants some of you to stop window shopping and allow a spirit of faith that says God has given us the land. They haven't fought an enemy yet. They've raised no arms in any kind of attack or defence And yet their declaration was, God, you've given me the land. Listen to me today again. I feel such an urgency this morning. What is it that God wants you to start saying, God's given me that? What is it that God wants you to start saying, God's given me that? God's given me a healthy and whole family. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. What is it that God wants you to start saying He's already done in your life in Jesus' name? He's number four, an openness to divine guidance. Joshua chapter three, next chapter, verse four. Yet there'll be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, don't come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go because you haven't passed this way before. Amen. I don't want to go into 2024 going, well, you know, I believe in a GST God. You know, yesterday plus 10%. Amen. I don't know about you. I come and say, oh God, pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit. Because, you know, God's not up there with a water pistol, just squirting a little bit of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, he that believes on me out of his belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. Amen. How big is, is the river inside of you? Some of us, we just got a little bit of a spit and a dib and a dab and we think that's all of the Holy Spirit God wants to give you. But God wants to give you a river of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. He wants to give you a river that'll keep you up at night, a river that'll give you dreams, a river that'll give you a prophetic utterance, a river that'll give you words of knowledge. He wants to give you a river of the Holy Spirit into your life. We've got to have an open to divine guidance. We've got to be able to say, Lord, I, I, I'm looking forward to what you're going to do. Would you lead me? I said to Pastor Rain Mingletime this morning, the greatest prayer a Christian can pray, I think, is Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Here's number five. Number five, fifth thing is an expectation of miracles. Joshua chapter three, verse 15, 17. When those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, And the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. The waters that come from upstream stood still. 
Listen, if ever there was a time when Christians need to believe in miracles, it's right now. Amen. Miracles in Jesus' name. Well, you know, Jeff, miracles happen to people that just, you know, it's sovereign, Jeff. It's sovereign. It's like God's up there. It's like winning lotto. You just picked the right numbers and that was it. But God has got nothing like that in his thinking nor in his ways. He's not capricious. He's not one minute one way and another minute another. He says he's no respecter of persons. He'll do a miracle for you in Jesus' name. Why not believe for a miracle? Why not believe for a miracle in your life? I'm not saying don't do all the things you should do. Miracles are not a substitute for our effort or our diligence. But let's believe for miracles, an expectation of them. They walked in number six. They had a generational mindset. I wrote this down just yesterday. I was thinking about it. And I was thinking about some of the battles that you and I go through. And I believe that that God wants some of us to realise who are battling right now. That your battles and your victories were never just about you. They're meant to give a legacy to the ones who follow you. Come on. Come on. You've been through some things. But will you battle well in Jesus' name? Will you hold up a wonderful standard? Will you say to God, God, I'm going to give you all the glory, not out of some bribery, but Lord, you know what? Uh, then if I die, then let me die praising Jesus. Amen. If I die, let me die praising Jesus, saying I'm glad for everything He did. I trust that your life and mine will leave a great legacy for the people that are following us. In Joshua chapter 4 and verse 4 through to 7, He told these men, He said, the 12 men from every tribe, while the ark is still in the middle of the river Jordan and the waters are stood up in a great heap, He says, go out in the middle of the Jordan and find a stone. Guess how many stones there were? There just happened to be 12 and there were 12 and they each went and got one and they pulled it out of the river Jordan. And he said to them this, he said, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? He said, you tell them that's where the Lord delivered us. That's where the Lord changed our world. That's where the Lord changed our life. Come on, some of you, I need to pick up a stone today on the 31st of December, 2023. Pick up a stone today and take it home and stick it up there in front of your your sight and, and be ready to say to your kids, that's where my life changed. My life changed that day. My life changed that day. Some of you that have won the battles over things in your life, don't pretend and hide them away. Don't wish that you could just forget about them. My goodness, now go in there and begin to declare, here's my stone. Can you see my stone? I got a scar to prove it. Here's my stone. Here's what God delivered me from. Here's what the Lord set me free of in my life. In Jesus' name. We want to have a generational mindset so that we don't just simply think, well, God, if you would just set me free, I would just let it go. Oh, my goodness, I'd be just so grateful. Number seven, seventh one here is renewal of the covenant. These people get in Joshua chapter 5. They kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month of twilight in the plains of Jericho. I want you to think about this a minute. Jericho is the mighty walled city. You could ride two chariots abreast on the top of it. No doubt people were watching out of there. We know that because Rahab, the prostitute, she has a room that looks out on the wall. And so as she looks out, 
through this wall. She can see. And here's these people. Now you would expect if you've got invaders coming, that they'd be the hustle and bustle of people getting weapons ready, sharpening swords, sharpening spears, making sure the harness on the horses was all ready, yada, yada. And instead of that, you look out of your window and you see people with a lamb and a piece of bread. And you would be asking yourself, what on earth are these people doing? What on earth are they doing out there? And you would see the holy hush come over the entire crowd of this uh, people that you know are, are waiting. They're, they believe that they own your land. They're coming. And instead of all oh, the hustle and bustle of armies getting ready, here they are pausing to renew the covenant with God. This morning before we leave, you're going to have opportunity to renew the covenant. Pastor Bruce is going to lead us around the table of the Lord and sharing that together. Please don't just take it as a religious thing. Take it and say, Lord, today I'm renewing my covenant with you. God, I'm believing you're with me. You're on me. You're going to save me. You're taking me through in Jesus' name. Forget the past. Forget the disappointments. Renew your relationship with God. Number eight is you've got to be ready to act. In Joshua chapter 6 and verse 7, now watch this. They're at Jericho now. He said to the people, proceed and march around the city. Now watch this. And let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. Every other place I can find since these people have built the ark in the book of Exodus. Every other place the ark has gone before them, they have followed it. The ark has been the thing that went into the River Jordan. The ark went in first. Now for the very first time, God says, you know what? Up until now, I've been doing all this. Now you're going to start to play a part. Now you're going to start to do it. He says, I want all the armed men to go in front of the ark. Why? Because the ark lost its power. No, but because God said, when I make a covenant with you, it's never just about me doing it. It's about what you do. It's about the actions you take. It's about the seeds that you sow. It's about the things that you say, God, I want to be a part of this. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians and says that he's made us partners with him. We are partners together in ministry. Amen. If you don't lay hands on the sick, then the sick don't recover. You've got to be the one who does that. If people don't hear the word of Jesus, the gospel from you, who will they hear it from? God isn't going to send angels. No, I get to play a part. For many people, I go before the presence of God. Did you get that? Come on, I go before the presence of God. I go before the presence of God. Amen. I start out in faith and God comes in on top of it. I pray the prayer and God brings the answer. But it's not a matter of, well, if it be thy will, Lord. Lord, I'm just waiting on you because mm -hmm, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. Here's number nine. There's only ten. Here's number nine. Undistracted hearts. Joshua chapter 6, verse 10. Joshua commanded the people saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say unto you, Shout, then you shall shout. Now there may be a bunch of reasons why, but I think the one is because he says, I want you to focus. Stop, listen, turn down the volume. What's the world saying? Can I be honest? There's a little bit of me that says, who cares? Amen. 
We aren't marching to the beat of the popularity drum. Amen. We don't live by going, well, well, what does the world think of us? And? But we're marching to the drum of turn up the, sometimes, in, you know, as I said, in quietness and in confidence will be your strength. Amen. And so he says, have an undistracted heart. I would encourage you, if you don't already, make a habit of finding some time in your day, middle of the day, early in the day, late in the day, where you turn the volume of everything down and you take some time and you read the Word of God and you pray. And you might go, how long have I got to do that for? As long as you can. Five minutes would be better than none. Two minutes would be better than none. But don't let it just be at the traffic lights until you hear the person behind you honking the horn. Oh, interrupt my prayer time, you Philistine. <laughs> Nothing wrong with praying at the traffic lights. But you need somewhere where you turn the volume down. Amen. Come on. Have an undistracted heart and don't talk yourself out of blessing or victory in your life. I think that's the other reason, because I reckon otherwise they would have walked around that walls and gone, gee, they've walls are big. And one of them was about to say, oh, it looks far too big. And they remembered the words of Joshua. Shut up. Don't say a word. Here's number 10. Last one here. Put God first in the everyday. Put God first in the everyday. Joshua chapter 6, verse 18, 19, Jericho was fallen. And one of the guys there, Achan's his name, he decides that he's going to... disobey the words of Joshua and the word of the Lord. And he's going to help himself to some of the plunder. The Lord had said, this is the first city and everything in its mind. Don't you dare keep anything of it. But you know, this guy, I wonder whether he was worried about the future because he's come out of the wilderness, you see. And maybe he thought, you know what? What if God doesn't come through? On the What if the promised land is not as good as we all reckon? Because he's not one of the spies. What if we get in there and it's tougher than I thought? I'll just give myself a little bit of insurance. I'll just make sure it's okay in case God doesn't come through. So he keeps some of it. You know, right throughout Scripture, God commands every single one of his people to put him first in the everyday. Amen. Not in the big moments, in the everyday. Amen. He says put him first in finance every day. He says put him first in your relationships every day. Put Him first in your time every day. Why does He say that? It's because it's in the everyday where fear most often sneaks in and tries to start its assault to take us away from trust and faith. And you'll never be able to put God first in big moments if you've never put Him first in the ordinary moments. Come on. Unless you put Him first in the everyday. Don't tell me about what you're going to do when you win a lotto. Oh, Pastor, when I win a lotto, I'll tell you what I'll say. If you tell me that, I'm going to say to you, oh, I pray you win. Oh, how I pray you win. I pray I don't buy a lot of tickets, but I'll pray you'll win one. Amen. Oh, I'll pray you win. But tell me what you do in the everyday. Amen. Well, Jeff, when I retire, I'll serve God. No, tell me what you're going to do now. Amen. I pray that in these 10 things, every single one of us, will be people that say we're ready for change. We're ready to leave behind our wilderness in Jesus' name. Father, help us today. 
Every single one of us, Lord, we, we lean into you. Lord, we don't lean in because we know all this stuff. We lean in because we know it in our heads, but we need to be operating in it, walking in it in our heart. So I pray you'll help us today in Jesus' name. Bring salvation across our life in a fresh way in the name of Jesus. Just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here today and you say to me, Jeff, I'm not a follower of Jesus yet. You might know a lot about Jesus or think you do. I know a lot of people who've been turned off Jesus. Something or other happened in their life. They got disappointed. They got hurt. Somebody hurt them. They read something in the media about another Christian leader. And so they've stopped following Jesus. Stop following Him. Can I urge you, if that's you, why don't you restart? Why don't you recommit? Or maybe you're like many people for whom the Gospel, first time you've heard that Jesus loves you. First time you've heard that He died to save you. First time you've heard that your sin could be forgiven. You didn't even know you carried that weight, but now you're aware and you go, I wish I knew Jesus. I want the Saviour to come and save me today. Just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed. In a minute, I'll talk to you, those of you online as well. But if you're in the building, you say, Jeff, would you pray with me? Jeff, I don't know Jesus like that. Or Jeff, I need to restart my walk with God. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and put it back down again? I'm going to look across the building, up in the balcony as well. I'll see your hand wherever you are. You say, Jeff, that's me today. Just wave it around if I haven't seen it yet. If you say to me, Jeff, today I want to start my walk with Jesus. Jeff, I want to start walking with God in my life. You might say, well, what will that mean? Well, it'll mean that Jesus will come into your life for a start. Everything from there on shifts and changes. Father, we thank You for that. Pray, God, for every person that's saying in their heart, Jesus, I want to know You. I want to be saved. I want to walk with You. Thank You, Lord. Look this way a minute. If that's you today and you say, Jeff, I'm saying yes to Jesus. Why not let us know about it so that we can help you and encourage you? If you'll just text YES, just that one word, YES. The number's up there on the screen, 0488-826-392. If you'd rather get our encouragement via email, you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Either way, it'll be our joy to be able to celebrate with you, encourage you, pray with you, send you a Bible verse and a prayer. They're different every day for 30 days. That'll help you get started with God and uh, be our joy. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Bruce, wherever he is. I'm here. Oh, here you are. Pastor Bruce is going to come and lead us around communion. Don't forget at the end of the service, if you'd like prayer, as we dismiss the service, people go to the cafe. If you'd like prayer, hang around. We'd love to pray with you. Thanks, Bruce. Well, what a great thing we get to do is uh, share communion together. So, host Tim, if you could just uh, begin passing out the uh, emblems, that'd be great. And uh, as you receive these, just hold on to them just for a few moments and uh, we'll all eat and drink together. Now, no surprising that this is the Christmas season and we've just celebrated the birth of Jesus. And you probably heard the saying, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. That's absolutely true. It's not Santa Claus and reindeer. It's about Jesus. It's about His birth. But in the Christian life, it's not just about the birth of Jesus because we don't worship a baby Jesus. We worship a Jesus who grew up, who walked among us and showed us the way. 
And then ultimately, there's no point in having a Christmas if there is no Easter. And there's no point to Easter unless there's a sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And that's why He ultimately came. He needed to be born first of a virgin so that He could then actually give His life for each of us on the cross. And it's through His shed blood and His broken body. These emblems that we have here, we have the juice which represents His shed blood. We have uh, the wafer or the, the biscuit there which represents His broken body. But He did that so that we could have relationship with Him, so that He could fulfill that covenant that He made, the covenant for you and for I. And as you've just been given the opportunity there to receive Jesus perhaps for the very first time, or maybe you've known Him previously, but in your heart you know that you've drifted from Him. And maybe you even wonder, you know what, if I was to die tomorrow, would I go to be with Him? If there is any shadow of doubt in your mind and in your heart, then take this moment to reconnect with Jesus and appropriate the sacrifice that He did for us on the cross. You know what I love about these emblems is that if you read the Gospels when Jesus actually held the first communion, it's while He was still alive. And He said, do this in remembrance of me. He could have easily just said, hey, remember, remember this. Just remember what I've said. He said, do this in remembrance of me. He knows that we have bodies and He wanted us to do something tangible, something physical, in addition to the emotional and the spiritual. And so I love the fact that we get to physically do this in remembrance of Jesus, of what He has done for each of us. So in this moment, you know, if you don't think you're right with God, maybe there's some unforgiveness in your heart. Uh, Christmas can be a challenging time, I know, for many families. Maybe there's something that is still stirring at you. You were singing the worship songs perhaps earlier this morning and you thought, you know what, Lord, I really can't get into this the way that I normally want to. There's something in my heart. Then as we come to the cross, as it were, as we come to Him this morning, why don't you lay those things at the feet of the cross and say, Jesus, I receive your shed blood for all forgiveness and I forgive those who have trespassed against me and as you receive the emblem as well thank Jesus for his broken body and then we can eat together as a family of God thanking Jesus for the covenant that he's given for us that's a wonderful thing so let us take the bread and eat that and then we can drink as well thank you Jesus Lord, I thank you for this covenant. Thank you, Lord, that you make all things new. And Lord, let it be in our hearts this morning as if this was our very first communion. Maybe it is for some. But Lord, make it real to us as you are real for us as well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. What a wonderful thing. I hope you never get religious in taking communion. Make it special, make it for the very first time. You know, every time I pray to God, I thank Him for my salvation, every single time. I never want to forget that the reason that I can pray to Jesus is because He died for me. So I always thank Him for saving me and for dying for me. So may that be in your hearts every time you have communion as well, be thinking of Jesus.